0: Let me tell you this story uh, as an introduction uh, to our sermon this morning. Uh, in the midst of a serene Sunday morning, the congregation of the AFM Midran Impact Christian Center had gathered for their usual worship service. The church, a diverse and vibrant community, was buzzing with anticipation of another uplifting sermon. Pastor Owen Smith stepped up to preach, ready to deliver a message inspired by Luke chapter 16, verse 8 to 13. A passage that stirred the hearts of all present. And as he delved into the passage, the atmosphere seemed, seemed to shift. The congregation felt a presence beyond the ordinary. And that's when it happened. A soft, radiant light bathed the front of the sanctuary. And in a moment of awe, there stood a figure unmistakably Jesus Christ his eyes filled with compassion and authority scanning the gathering as the service progressed the congregation pondered on the parable that they were that 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 was preached to them and Jesus stepped up and he stopped the service and he said today I came physically to you to see if you would be be found faithful when it comes to your resources. I came to test, and Jesus lines up the whole church in front of him, and he calls us each one by name. And when he asks us whether we are faithful with our resources, what would our answer be to our Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ? What would we be answering to Him? And when I talk about resources, it's everything that He gave us money, time, our lives, our families. What kind of stewards would we be if Christ had to come in and disrupt the service and make us all stand in one row and ask us these questions? If you have your Bibles here this morning, won't you open up for me at Luke chapter 16, verse 8 to 13? It's also on the back of the screen as well. Um, now, before I actually read, I want to tell you Jesus was specifically talking to his uh, disciples here. So the the previous parables, uh, it was the Pharisees asking them questions, and when when he started telling this parable, he, he turned to his disciples, to his own people, and he spoke to them. And what was happening was the story of the shrewd manager. And so the manager heard that the that the owner was coming back to come and take stock of what he did uh, and how he ran his business because the owner went away for a long time and so what happened was the manager is like oh the owner is coming I need to make a plan very quickly and the, the, the manager was so smart so he called everyone that owed that owed him money or whatever and to the one he asked how much uh, let's say or, uh, bags of um, let's say salt to you owe, owe me and the one says hundred so he said okay pay 80 and then he, and then your, your, your debt will be cancelled And to the other one, he also said, though they owed him maybe say 200, he says, okay, just do 180 or just pay something. And so your debt could be canceled because he knew that he was too old to go and work and he's too used to living the soft life to start his life all over again in case he gets fired. And so he knew that if he makes friends with those people who owes him stuff by giving them discount on their debts, then he at least, should he get fired, he would be able to go on to them and said, look, I did a favor for you So now you can do a favor for me let me come and stay with you or come and work with you etc so he was very very smart and then he comes to verse 8 so you can read the the verse 1 to 7 on your own but let's read together out of verse 8 and then he says even though his master was defrauded so he technically defrauded his master when he found out about the shrewd way his manager had feathered his own nest he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he'd done to provide for his future. Jesus continued, remember this, the sons of darkness interact more wisely than the sons of light. Use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. Then when it runs out, your generosity will provide you with eternal reward the one who faithfully manages the little he has been given will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal measures of the spiritual world? And you, if you have not Proven yourself faithful with what belongs to another. Why should you be given wealth of your own? This is Jesus talking here. It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. Your choice between God and the wealth of this world is no different. You must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other may god bless his word and write it onto the tables of our hearts yes i'm going to talk about money this morning and what jesus said amen um so you would have heard me quote this this passage a lot during this last couple of weeks we've been we've been talking about stewardship and money and all these things and and i thought let me explain or do an exposition on what jesus meant when he spoke about this parable now usually in a parable there's there's life lessons jesus uses parables to bring forth spiritual truths and and there's a way in which we understand a parable we we never take it literally because we need to understand as, as 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 people who study the bible and study the word what was the original context what did jesus mean uh, when he spoke about it how would the listeners of his time understand and only then once we understand that then we do the application so now I'm not going to go through the whole exercise with you I've already done that but we're going to look at the lessons that we should learn that Jesus is teaching his disciples um, through these and there's four lessons that we are going to look at about uh, when it comes to the learning from the the shrewd manager how what jesus is telling us now the first lesson he tells us is number one lesson number one is learn from the world when it comes to money now this is a very odd one because how can we learn from the world because we know they these guys are corrupt they are doing wrong things and they are not even honoring god etc so 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 again don't take it literally see where i'm going with this there are certain principles which is biblical principles which the world took and corrupted it and so now we learn from them so that we realize that it's actually our own thing so he says that even though his master was defrauded when he found out about the shrewd ways manager had feathered his own nest he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he had done to provide for his future Jesus continued remember this look at what Jesus is saying the sons of darkness um, interact more wisely than the sons of light what could he have meant with that we're going to be looking at looking at that now Jesus highlighted here the contrast between the worldly mindset in other words the sons of this world uh, who displayed wisdom boldness and forward-thinking in managing their resources um, with in other words they, 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 they show shrewdness with managing them and the believers Which is the sons of light who often fall short in effectively managing their God-given resources That's the principle that we will be expounding here this morning Let me read this again Jesus highlighted the contrast between the worldly-minded people The sons of this world who display wisdom, boldness and forward-thinking in managing their resources and the believers, the contrast between them and the believers, which are the sons of light, who often fall short in effectively managing their God-given resources. This distinction reminds us that we need to be diligent and wise towards the resources that God has entrusted to us. Are you with me? The parable of the dishonest steward serves as a a noteworthy example on multiple fronts. Firstly, it underscores the importance of believers recognizing that they will be held accountable for their lives. We need to understand that we will be called to account one day. Emphasizing the need for a serious approach to our faith. Because someone's going to hold us accountable, we need to take our relationship with Jesus and the resources he's given us in the stewardship of it. It's actually his resources that he's given us to steward. We need to take it seriously because the master will come back one day and he will ask, what have you done with what I have given you? He will come and take stock with that. So we need to take it seriously. Seriously. This accountability can either be a source of joy because we diligently engaged in our master's work or it can be a source of fear because we know we haven't been doing what has been expected of us when we do this. So we're either going to look forward to the day of the coming, of the second coming, or we will despise the day of the second coming because we know we haven't been doing what God expected us to do with what he has been given us. Are you with me? Secondly, the steward's action, actions highlight the principle of making the most of our current circumstances to secure a comfortable future. We see how we work uh, when we are young. We work hard. We invest. We put money away. We save money. So that when it comes to our time of retirement, we know that we will be able to retire comfortably but it also works like this in the spirit that when we work hard in the lord's in the lord's labor and the doing the work of the lord there will be a comfortable retirement as well for the born again believer we call it heaven and hence why there's an, an earnestness that we need to take our god-given resources as stewards our job seriously more than ever. Jesus pointed out that, that those focused, um, and so we need to make that. So, so secondly, the actions highlight the principle of making the most of our current circumstances to secure a more comfortable future. Show the there's a picture I put up there, the next slide about the Alal. I want to show you an illustration somewhere here. The next slide. That one this is an article I found in 2018 uh, that was written in 2018 I didn't find it at that sorry it was written in 2018 now now we all have bought products that has this it's very difficult to find products that's not halal certified in today's life are you are you with me even the medicine is halal certified you have to go and dig very deep now look at the strategy of these guys now there are approximately 2 billion Muslims, this is in 2018 across the globe, with almost 4 million residents in the U.S. This market segment has experienced a rapid growth rate over the past several years and is currently valued at 2 trillion U.S. dollars. That is now in 2018. And that, that's only counting the Muslims, that's not counting the, people, the the non-Muslims who buy products that is halal certified. Do you see how they, their strategy, now I tried to look for, 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 for what do they do, I, I wanted to see what did they do with all the money and I couldn't find any article and so I had to talk to Muslim people and ask where does, where do you think the Allah money, the money that's made from the Allah certification because you have to pay something whether you're a butcher or something to get the stamp on your products where do the money go what do they do with the money because it's a lot of money and so i couldn't find any articles i could only find conspiracies and all of these things but i i spoke to muslim people that i know and all of them said we use it to build schools we use it and then we don't let those people who come to the school whether it's in a village in africa or wherever we, they don't pay school fees then we even pay for the for food We build Muslim schools, Madrasa, they call it. And then um, now, then we get people, even Christian people, sending their kids there. And we raise them up in the way of Islam. We, 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 We build schools there. We build nice places everywhere. We open up orphanages. And we look after them, Muslim orphanages. And we raise them up in the way of Islam. They understood the economy. they took advantage of the economy and they made sure that there's a constant influx. Remember that when we buy from them or a, a product, we are also helping pushing the agenda of Islam into the world because our money goes there. There's so much I could say about this, but I need to stick to, to what we prepared. But it's just something to make us think where is the christian business men and women that starts businesses to fund kingdom activities where is the christian business men and women that starts businesses that wants to become billionaires so that they can further help further the kingdom of god wherever there was not where are these people because all we hear, we, we, we sometimes call the, the, the name of the, of the business kingdom business. But that money, the kingdom does not even see that money. That money doesn't even go to an orphanage or to, to wherever churches are being planted and all these things. It's, we've got some homework to do. We've got some homework to do. So, Jesus pointed out that those focused on worldly matters can often display more shrewdness in their pursuits than those dedicated to the kingdom of God. I've read some articles of how these guys go to work and, 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 and I really did, did a bit of a study and, it's, and they are shrewd. They don't take no for an answer. If you are not paid up with your certification, you cannot put your product onto our, onto the shelves of shops they will even come and remove it there because you said that you are going to do it it's like a it's a it's a it's a monopoly that they are doing to make sure that there's money coming so that their agenda can be furthered into the world they are shrewd when it comes to this imagine the transformation if we as believers pursued god's kingdom with the same determination that the world chases us after profit and pleasure. Imagine we as people who have the power of God living in us on a daily basis, do business within and under the power and the anointing of God, and we pursue business as we pursue the kingdom of God, so that the kingdom of God can be furthered wherever we go. Imagine how we would change the world It's a, it's, a, it's a sad reminder that the church should reflect on halal certification and, and products like Coca-Cola that reach more people per day than the message of Jesus Christ. This underscores the need for us as the sons and daughters of light to be equally astute and diligent in sharing the gospel with the world. If you're you're a young person listening to me today and you want to become a billionaire, then first figure out whether you are willing to let your billions go and save souls. How will you let your billions go and save souls? Because believe you me, God will keep you accountable with your billions. If not one soul has been saved with all of the money that you have in the world. It's not wrong to uh, to want these things. It's not wrong to acquire these things. But if you want to make a lot of money, then you need to decide whether you're going to put your money to work in the kingdom of God to win more souls for God or in the kingdom of the world to enrich yourself. Because at the end of the day, our rewards would be in heaven, not on this earth. And we need to push. We need to decide whom are we going to do that um mclaren a commentator said the following he says go to the men of the world thou christian and do not let it be said that the devil's scholars are more studious and earnest than christ's disciples these guys know how to make money and they know how to broaden their kingdom with their money and yet we serve who we say is the king of all kings and the lord of all lords And we even pray and we say the kettle on a thousand hills belong to Him. But we put all our kettles in our pockets and no one comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus through the kettles He has given to us. Church, we have a problem. This was the first principle, the first lesson Jesus was teaching His disciples when it comes to stewarding your money. Lesson number two. He says this. Uh, Use or make your money with an eye towards eternity. Lesson number two, use or make your money with an eye towards eternity. We see this in verse nine. He says, and I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourselves for eternity by means of the wealth of the unrighteous. That is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God. So that when it runs out, they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. So he used, the son of those world used, the, the, the shrewd manager said, I need to make friends so that if I get fired, I can go stay with these guys who are now my friends because I gave them discount. Jesus is saying in short, he says, make friends, uh, with use the unrighteous mammon to make friends with, 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 the, with the world. In other words, so that when we go to heaven, they will accept us in heaven one day. Because we've used our money wisely. He passed on this valuable principle with a touch of humor, emphasizing that we should use what we have now to secure our future in eternity. It's like preparing for a heavenly retirement plan. Only the dividends are out of this world. Unrighteous mammon. He uses the word here is is from the aramaic word mammon which originally means it doesn't originally mean money it means that in which one puts one's trust and in our world today it is money that we do that and so he calls mammon unrighteous now while the world abounds with financial planners and advisors it is certainly valuable for christians To acquire wisdom in in, in managing their finances, we are not arguing about that. However, in these discussions on on, on wise money management, we mustn't overlook the most vital form of long-term investment. One that's focused on eternity. That's the only investment we need. Yes, save up for retirement. Yes, work wisely with your finances. Yes, increase it as much as possible. But remember that we are only passing through this world. This is not our permanent abode. We are not meant to stay here permanently. We are passing through and there will be a retirement after this retirement. The key... Is to starting in is to start investing your resources into the things of god because let's face it most of us tend to procrastinate and wait till someday when i have enough money i will do that i've heard so many kids when we ask them what do you want to be when you grow up i want to be a millionaire because i want to build a church with the lord <laughs> Though that is noble, that's probably because I asked them that they told me that. They probably tell their parents something different. <laughs> but why should we wait for one day when we have a lot of money? Why can't we start now with the little we have? Why is it that I have to wait one day in, 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 our, in our family, in my culture? We, we have a word where we say, my uh, I'm waiting until my ship comes in. My, my, my ship comes into the harbor because it will bring all the, the, the good things. Why do we have to wait for our ship to come in? Why can't we start now in a small way investing into the kingdom of God? So that in a small way, because I can tell you now, it will be much more difficult when you have billions or trillions one day to give to God's kingdom when it is now when you have little. Because when, when, you, when you are materially rich, you would, you would just say no. In that church ah they don't even uh, handle their finances correctly i'm not going to give them. how can i give them a trillion rand in that church they don't even do this and they don't i, I you know we reach people we think differently than, than poor people these are all the mindsets but if you start the habit now start the habit with your children now then you are guaranteeing them for success for one day when they have these trillions and billions and gazillions and whatever. But they would know that their first priority would be to 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 to, to, to establish God's kingdom, to further God's kingdom through financial stewardship. They would understand that. They would understand the principle. And so we won't be raising selfish children that only builds their kingdom and, 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 and make sure they are right. But we'll have children that starts orphanages, still children that, 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 that uh, funds orphanages, that funds hospices, that funds christian homes so that more and more people can be discipled because we've started and made it a season here today that we will be financing god's kingdom by stewarding our resources correctly we have to teach these to our children as well in a survey taken in 1992 people were asked how much money they would have to make to live the american dream and those who this is in 1992 And those who earn $25,000 or less a year thought they would need around $54,000. And those in the $100,000 annual income bracket said that they would buy the dream for an average of $192,000. And that's what we probably say to ourselves as well. We even make a deal with the Lord. Lord, if if I'm in that, if I get this contract, if I do this, if if you do this for me, then I can do that for you. Start now with the little you have and start giving to the work of God because at the end of the day when we get into heaven if we are faithful we'll have people coming up to us and say because of your obedience you gave 10 Rand and somewhere somehow I got a Bible and someone gave the gospel of Jesus Christ and because of your 10 Rand I am here today God can take the little we have and multiply it. To God it's not about the amount. It's the heart behind the giving. If it was if it was about the amount, then I would have told you I need 10 people to give a million rand. <laughs> God's going to do something in your life, but we are not that. We don't believe that's biblical. And so Moses was a stutterer and he tried to convince god to use his brother aaron and god was like no i want to use you because aaron was was much more eloquent he spoke much better gideon was called a mighty warrior when the angel appeared to him man of valor and he didn't believe god he says but but look around how can i be a mighty warrior man of valor look look how the dead bodies are laying around here noah who built the ark was a drunk And yet he still did it. King David, with all his nonsense that he did, he was a man after God's own heart. Yes, if you read the life of David, there was a lot of nonsense that happened there. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and yet he went back and even gave back everything that he stole from people times four. Paul persecuted the church, and, and, and look at how God used him mightily we look at the disciples what happens in the in in, in 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 when you become a disciple is as 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 a young jewish boy at 5 6 years old you you must be able to remember to 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 remember the torah the first five books out of the bible word for word so then you would go to a, a, a rabbi and he would sit and he would listen to you and see where you make mistakes and if you make mistakes it disqualifies you so what then happens is you go work in the family trade which is a fisherman or a carpenter and, and, and it's kind of like something they, they look down upon and, and, and when you didn't make the trade Because you now uh, as a rabbi As a disciple of the rabbi Because that means you will become a teacher of the law one day And now all the disciples didn't qualify They had to go back to the family trade And yet Jesus came and he called them each one With the little they have The society were disappointed in them And it took the little they have And they multiplied That even 2,000 years later We are still learning and teaching what they taught from jesus do you see how god uses the little it's about the heart behind the matter god does the multiplication god brings the increase we only need to be obedient that's it third lesson we learn from this is this is that and he talks about this he says faithful in the little things a least he can cause us to be faithful in down. This is a very interesting statement Jesus makes here. Whoever can be trusted with very little also can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, in Jesus' words, some of your translations will say, He who has not been faithful in the least. Yeah? Your translation says that. Now, in, Jesus's, in the words of Jesus, money is considered to be one of the least things of this world. So, He doesn't put a lot of emphasis on money. It's least. And so, He says, if you have not been faithful in the least of this world, those things that, that doesn't mean much, How can you be trusted to handle things faithfully, spiritual things faithfully? If it's not about the small things, if you cannot be trusted to be a good steward with your finances, how can you be handled to be that? It's a red flag when it comes to entrusting them with bigger responsibilities. Money is like the the, the beginning, the, 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 the starter pack of trustworthiness when it comes to God. We start there, we don't end there. Usually we think God trusts us with more money. No, it's, it's the least of these. When a person can't be relied upon to use earthly wealth faithfully for the Lord, it becomes a challenge to consider them to be handling true riches. Money, inherently worldly, often carries the label of unrighteousness. In other words, he needs to be able to trust you with the least of these. He says in another sentence, he says, says, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, the property we have, it's the Lord's. So if you have not even been trustworthy with what the Lord has given us, how can we be trusted with a property of our own? He referred to the fact that all our riches belongs to God. That's a, that is which our own refers to. To rewards which we reap in this life and in the life to come as a result of our faithfulness. So, Maya, a commentator said this. He says, God is testing men by giving them money. That he may know how far to trust them in the mud of the new Jerusalem. Put on the next slide. The next slide the next one that one yeah God is testing people by giving them money so if you've got a lot of money there's a big test (laughs) if you've got small money still testing you we are writing the exam let's look at the final final point the final lesson that he learns for us Uh, he says choose today whom you will serve God or Mammon no servant can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other or you will stand devotedly by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Mammon. That is your earthly possessions or anything else you put your trust in and rely on instead of God. God Jesus is telling them this. Now, Jesus is not talking about moonlighting two jobs here. Understand this. He is painting a picture of a master and a slave relationship. And guess what? You can't be the faithful servant of two masters at once you cannot be it's just not doable if you believe you're pulling it off you are fooling yourself because you cannot you can have money and God in your life but you can't juggle being a servant to both money and a servant to God you are going to serve one and despise the other it's like it's like riding two horses with one saddle the same time you cannot do that you will either be on the one or you will be on the other and so jesus was 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 all about but but the heart when he spoke to his disciples about this a lot of people claim that they are all about loving god but their actions and their finances tells a different story are you with me especially when people jump through many hoops for money So here's a a litmus test that I want to leave you with. Whatever you're willing to make sacrifices for reveals what's your true master. Whether it's for the money, whether it's for the kingdom, it reveals who is your true master. So if you go the extra mile for money but can't be bothered for Jesus, don't kid yourself. Your real deity might just be money. Being a money slave doesn't come with uh, with rich people only. Even those who who don't have the, the, the poor as well can fall into the money-loving trap. Greed and covetousness doesn't discriminate based on your bank account size. Everyone struggles with this. And so I want to conclude with three quotes from three different people that I saw. And he says, the last slide, the next slide, thank you. He says when god is served money is used beneficially when mammon is served the claims of god is ignored secondly the worldlings wisdom as the ostrich wings uh he, the ostrich runs he does this when he runs with his wings to make him outrun others upon earth and in earthly things but helps him never a whit toward heaven Finally, money possessing a man is the direst curse, for it hardens his heart and paralyzes the noblest powers. The money of a God-possessed man is a blessing, for it becomes the means of his expressing his sympathy symph- sympathy with his fellows, with his fellow people. That's what money is. So let me ask you this question again. If Jesus one day comes physically into our service and stops it and says uh, I came to check on my children to ask about the use of their resources everybody stand in a row here what would you be found would you be found faithful like the shrewd manager who made a plan in directing the wealth towards the uh, to the eternal kingdom or will you be found lacking by directing the wealth to everything except towards the eternal kingdom. Let us stand.